I stepped in the ring with him, uh, I knew he was strong and he was talented. I knew he had a lot of potential. Uh, when I was in the ring with him, when we locked up, I knew this guy has it. Everybody, welcome back to another edition of Out of Character with Ryan Satin. This week, we've got an awesome guest. He's got a big week himself. He's challenging for the NXT title this week. But before he does that, we've got him on this show. Ladies and gentlemen, former Universal Champion and current NXT superstar, Finn Balor. Finn, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Ryan, great to be on with you, mate. So I, I know that you've got, we're going to talk about Karrion Cross. You, you've got a title match. We're going to talk about that, that at the end of this show. But first, I want to talk a little bit about the character that you've portrayed on WWE TV the past few years. So how much of your real true self would you say there is in the current Finn, Bal Finn Balor character? I'd say the current Finn Balor character is the most uh, accurate to my personality in real life. Uh, the way I'm performing it now. I think in the past it was a little different, but I feel like this is the closest I am to actually performing as myself in my career. Well, when you first joined NXT, how did you go about determining the way in which your character would be portrayed? Because, you know, you had such success as a heel in New Japan, so I'm wondering how it was determined that you would be a babyface in NXT. Uh, I really don't know how it was how it was going to be a babyface, but... Uh, Obviously, there was a lot of influences when I came to NXT that I wasn't, you know, used to. As an independent performer, you're really in charge of everything with how you present yourself, your gear, your character, your entrance, your music. And then, you know, when you come to WWE and it's such like a well-oiled machine that, you know, they have different departments that kind of help you reach your potential. And, uh, you know, obviously trying to keep a lot of those departments happy uh, maybe I lost sight of what was, you know, true to myself and my character. And it was a learning process. I wouldn't like look back on it in a negative light, but it was certainly uh, an experience that uh, helped me grow as a performer and really understand like the business side of what we do as opposed to just the performance side. What about the demon though? Because I feel like when it came to the demon, you had already been doing the, the paint on the indies and in, and in New Japan, but NXT was where they really formed a character around it, where it was like something that you tried to push down and like didn't want to have to bring out. Um, was that an idea that you had that, that you thought would be cool for, something that someone else in, in NXT thought? Like, how did that come about? Uh, so it's kind of a long story. So I remember when I signed with WWE, uh, a lot of people had said, oh, you can forget about doing those crazy entrances. You can forget about doing the paint. You know, they're not going to let you do any of that stuff. And, you know, I was in NXT about a month and Triple H came to me and said, hey, man, talk to me about this painting. And he was like, what, what's it all about? And basically, I just explained it to him in the terms of how I had been using it in a, on an independent level as just like a, a spectacular entrance and, you know, a, a spontaneous moment that, you know, could change depending on the location or the opponent and it was just something that you know i took enjoyment out of and i think for wwe they needed to really make it more as part of the character not like it's cool but like why do you transform from finn to the demon so that's where we kind of started to develop you know the dark side of you know the, the Balor character and then finn being the good side of the character and then it was just kind of an evolution and uh I'm not really sure if 
looking back, that's how I wanted it to be handled. If, it, if we got too far away from what it was or if we made it better, I don't really know. I think maybe in like 10 years time, looking back, I'll go, oh, we done it right or we messed up. I don't know yet. So there's still some life left in the demon character for sure. Uh, but right now I'm very happy being the prince. And I feel like this is, as I said before, this is kind of the most true self uh, in my WWE tenure. So, you know, I'm very happy with well, I am happy to hear that the demon isn't gone forever because I, when I was prepping for this interview, I went back and I watched a bunch of your matches and I just, I was like, man, I had just almost forgotten because it's been so long since we've seen the demon. I'd almost forgotten how much I was into it. Like the entrance, everything. It just had such a cool vibe. And I think that it helps that you're such like an artistic dude, it seems like as well, that you kind of brought some of that uh, showmanship to the demon character as well. Yeah, it, it's funny because when I enter that character, like I really do change my movements and you know my moves and my energy, and it's not something that like I consciously think of or like try to do. It literally just happens that you know people is it's super cliche. Oh, I know the you know you become the character, but really, you know, I would feel completely different when I'm in that paint and like the physical process of like going through that four or five hours transformation, you know, putting the paint on, you know, that's taxing enough in itself. Uh, and then like, you know, what the paint expresses and, you know, the, the energy is a little different, the entrance is a little different. So just the whole package really like changes, you know, the performance on the, you know, on a, on a subconscious level for me that like, I'm not really thinking of this is being, I'm not really thinking this is the demon. It's just kind of out there and it's flowing and, uh, you know, when I go out there, what happens, happens kind of thing. It's not something that's super planned or uh, rehearsed. It's just like moving with the, with the flow. When you first joined NXT, I feel like you formed a relationship with Dusty Rhodes early on in your career. How helpful was he at the start of your time in NXT? Uh, Dusty was so great. Uh, so, you know, uh, I'll be the first person to put my hand up and say, like, I was never really comfortable with talking, especially on the mic. And uh, he was one of the first people to really give me confidence in myself to communicate better with people and you know and that's how we explained it he said you know don't think about it as you know talking or from the promo really what you're doing is just communicating so that lesson there from from dusty was uh, one that i hold uh, forever but uh, you know obviously i wish i had I had more time to learn from dusty but you know that, that short time that we spent together you know i learned so much and i'm so grateful for that when you left new japan to sign with wwe did you ever think that you'd end up winning your first title in WWE back in Japan? Yeah, crazy, dude. What a what a full moment that was in my career. And I think it was a year prior I had left New Japan in that very building, had my last match, and kind of like said goodbye to my friends, said goodbye to the Japanese fans, and thought like, oh. I may never be back here again. And, you know, fast forward a year, uh, you know, and I'm in that same building again with someone who I wasn't very familiar with uh, coming into NXT, but uh, Kevin Owens, you know, we came into NXT at the same time uh, under kind of the same circumstances, dealing with a lot of the same issues with, you know, the two life in WWE, in USA, uh, you know, and, just kind of acclimatizing to the whole situation together. Like we grew 
very, very close. And uh, getting to share that moment with him in Tokyo was one of the most surreal nights of my career, for sure. I mean, th that crowd is so pumped when you rewatch that. They're so happy. It's like they're one of their own doing it. And it's such a fun moment to see because that crowd sometimes can be quiet, just in nature, but they were hyped for you that night. Yeah, that was, that was cool. And that's something that was really cool for me was in Japan, the company that I was working for, like we weren't allowed to use the streamers for safety issues. And, uh, and that night in, in Tokyo, obviously that rule didn't apply uh, at the WWE show. And like, you know, when they done the opening announcements and the streamers came in, I was like, oh man, this is super cool. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that you talk about uh, how you know your relationship with Kevin Owens because I loved the matches that you and Kevin Owens had in NXT. Would you say he's one of your favorite competitors in that in that era that you got to wrestle against? Yeah, Kevin Owens for sure. Uh, you know Shinsuke, who I'd been familiar with um, before that, but also kind of shared that uh, era in NXT with. And uh, you know someone who I can't not mention is Samoa Joe, who I really feel like brought the best out of Finn Balor in the sense that I was, uh, you know, a technical wrestler and considered like, you know, smooth and could, you know, have a match a certain way. But Joe like taught me to have a match like a different way. Like it was more like a battle or a fight or a scrap. And then that really helped elevate Finn to the next level in my opinion. And, and, and those battles with Joe and, you know, I've gone on the record before and said, you know, the favorite, most memorable moment of my career was losing the title to Joe uh, on that house show and I think it was Lowell, Massachusetts. I remember just laying on the mat and the crowd were completely blown away and surprised and you know someone who I've wrestled pretty much every night for a year straight, Samoa Joe's got his hand raised, I'm laying there watching and uh, it was such a cool moment to uh, to share that with Joe and to experience it like as a fan because so much is predictable in this business and that night I really feel like it was one of the most unpredictable moments uh, that you know definitely uh, I've experienced in, in my career. I remember that when it hit the internet and it was like wait what? Finn Balor lost the title at a house show? What do you mean Finn Balor <laughs> lost the title at a house show? So that was a cool moment. It, it was it, it also made you want to go to NXT live events. Yeah and uh, definitely uh, there was a feeling of, at the NXT live events that, you know, anything can happen. And I know that's an expression that we use a lot, but uh, those like original like live events were so uh, there was so much great energy in the locker room, in the, in the crowd, you know, on the road. And, you know, I look back at that, you know, part of my career as like one of the most enjoyable parts of my career for sure. Yeah, I went to that one, The I think it was the first live event like on the road where it was WrestleMania weekend, and it was one of the most memorable house shows I've ever been, ever been to. It was so cool. Yeah, I think the one you're talking about is San Jose. Yep, and, yep, uh, yep. Yeah, and uh, I think it was like two nights before WrestleMania. Uh, I wrestled against Neville. My parents had flown like from Ireland to San Francisco, got in a taxi, came straight to the building, like without taking a shower or nothing, were front row. Uh, I was there, some of my Japanese friends were there, and uh, that was such a special night because uh, obviously like the WrestleMania energy was there that weekend, but it was the first time that NXT really had like a big stage to showcase everyone's ability, and I really feel like everyone knocked it out of the park that night. Yeah, I, I hope that they put that whole night on the, the network or Peacock or whatever one day, because I, I want to see that show in full one day. I want to rewatch it because it was such a memorable night. Yeah. For me too, and uh, 
on the record of saying, look, my dad's one and uh, blind, blinded by obviously the fact that I'm his son, that he thinks I'm the best wrestler in the world. But uh, he, he says that, son, that was the best match I've ever seen live. I'm, I'm telling you, son, that was the best match you've ever had. That was the best match. Uh, uh, and nothing will be that. <laughs> That's right. Oh, that night, I one of my most memorable times going to a live show was when uh, Hideo Tommy hit the go to sleep for the first time, and the place just went insane so uh, yeah your dad's not wrong it was a very memorable night that night so uh it, it makes sense that he would say that now when you got drafted to raw did you know that you were going to be shot straight to the top or did you expect to have to work your way up a little first no idea no idea and um, obviously like you have these ideas of you know what's possible and what's not possible and really that wasn't in the realm of you know being an option. I thought, you know, we go in there and kind of work my way up and see how it works out over, you know, the next couple of months. Uh, the way it unfolded was completely unexpected. And obviously three weeks in, you know, the kind of, the rug got pulled out from that. And it was such a great experience. I feel like, you know, credit to WWE, they handled me so well, uh, not only with, you know, the push before, but also the injury and how well they took care of me and you know, how, how well they rehabbed me. Uh, but, you know, such a great experience and uh, something I look back on really fondly. And a lot of people talk about the injury and think, oh, well, what if he hadn't got hurt and what would have happened? And I really look at it the opposite way and say, like, I got to debut on Raw, beat Roman Reigns, three weeks later being the main event of SummerSlam, beat Seth Rollins and be the first Universal Champion. And, you know, for a kid, starting out at 18 years old in Ireland, trying to be a wrestler and to achieve that is such a monumental task that, you know, nothing could spoil that for me. And I remember even laying on the mat outside the window, thinking like, well, very typical of you to put another obstacle in your way, but it's just another obstacle that you have to overcome to, you know, get back to where you want to be. So uh, it was definitely a learning experience. And, you know, I feel like, uh, I grew much more from the injury than if I hadn't have been injured. So, uh, a great life lesson. In, in what way did you would you say that you grew from that injury? Uh, well, for I think I've been wrestling for 16, 17 years at the time, and never had a day off, or never had like a real like injury that like put me out. So it was the first moment that I had to really stop and digest the whole journey. And what's a better point to stop and digest the journey when you made it to the absolute top, you know? So I'm sure if it was prior to uh, winning the title, that injury would be so mentally devastating because you're still on the ascent. But I was at the very top when the injury happened. So uh, like really in reality, it, you know, you get the title, you defend it a couple of times, you're on by the time and you know, you're gonna have to do the favor eventually. <laughs> That's just reality. Uh, so that kind of part of the, the injury gave the title reign so much more mystique because I never had to, had to defend it or lose it. I had to relinquish it. And uh, it's, you know, it's a very poetic way to look at it. But I feel like, you know, I had the climb and I had the glory and then I gave it away gracefully and uh, didn't have to, you know, lose any integrity really because of that. And uh, 
I don't know. It's just maybe a different way of looking at it, but I always try to look at the positives. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think the fact that you can look at it from such a positive perspective is great. I think that some people might not have that ability. I think that that says a lot about your mental attitude that you're able to look at the silver lining in it all. Yeah, well, look, there's going to be, there's obviously going to be great days in this business and there's going to be ones that suck a lot. And uh, obviously there was days in that journey that have sucked. Uh, you know, there's been days since then that have sucked and I'm sure there'll be days in the future that will suck. But, you know, generally as a whole, I feel like I've had a, a great career so far. Uh, um, hopeful about the future and you know I think it's always the most important thing is to have a, an optimistic uh, you know outlook on, on what you're doing now you eventually returned to TV after eight months away when you came back did you feel like you had anything to prove after that injury so this is the this was I feel the most difficult part of my career uh, in the sense that I was not only adapting to, you know, how my shoulder worked and how my body moved, and but also coming all uh, adapting to, oh, adapting to, adapting to live television. Uh, I'd only had I think two matches on Raw before I got hurt, so I was still very much a rookie, even though I won the title, even though I'd been kind of kept relevant on TV for a year through the injury, I was kind of treated as this, you know, experienced veteran. Um, but I was still, in my mind, completely new to live television because NXT wasn't live at the time. Everything was the tape. Uh, so, you know, I'm learning how to adapt to live television, time cues, you know, you know, different performers that I'm in the ring with being on the road full-time. We weren't fully on the road with NXT. You know, it was kind of like more spot shows. So very difficult adjustment, not only adapting to, you know, the raw environment, but also, you know, getting my confidence back with my physical mentally overcoming the injury. Yeah, that sounds tough. That definitely sounds tough, especially when you're having to, you know, learn all those new things like you were saying. I mean, people underestimate, I think, how difficult time cues are and things like that for live TV. Live TV is a lot of pressure. Oh, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. And uh, especially for someone that, you know, I feel I put a lot of expectation on myself and I feel like then on top of that, there was probably a lot of expectation on me to perform, given the fact that I'd had such a high-profile injury and, uh, you know, to come back from that. You know, there was a lot of, uh, I guess, pressure to, to deliver and to, to prove people wrong. So um, there was a lot of, you know, mental boundaries that I had to get over. And, you know, I really feel like it took the best part of a year from when I actually returned to feeling comfortable in the ring and feeling comfortable on all SmackDown. It, it really took, you know, a year to, to get to get up and running again. Is there a match in that time where, at the end of that year, where you remember being like, okay, I'm feeling a little better now, that you were like, that was a great one? Dude, great question, and I thought it's all such a blur. There was so there was so many uh, matches, but I feel like it was one night in particular. It wasn't a TV, but it was uh, Madison Square Garden with Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. We done a we done a house show there and a, a triple threat match, and that was a night that like I felt like everything really came together. And you know, I don't have the date or the, or the, the time in regards to where that was on the timeline, but that was a, a period. Really felt like okay, 
I'm back. I know what I'm doing. I'm comfortable now. I'm comfortable in my own ability. I'm confident in my ability. And, you know, I can handle it out there no matter what happens. So uh, that was definitely a point where I remembered, oh, yeah, I'm getting hanging this stuff. Well, one of my favorite matches of yours in WWE was against AJ Styles at TLC in 2017. Where does that rank for you amongst your favorites in WWE? Uh, you know what? I, I really wish we could do it again. Um, I feel like that was like sprung on us at sh such short notice. Uh, no preparation. Arrived there on the day. Had ideas of what I was going to do with Bray Wyatt. Uh, then I get this which is a match that I'd craved for many, many years and, and still craved them. Uh, I feel different. I don't feel like I was fully, as uh, there was many external influences that day with doing the demon. And should we do the demon that day? Was it appropriate? The fact that, you know, the match with AJ was kind of like a, a separate type of match. And I, I kind of look back and I should have been, but it was, you know, the demon had been advertised and we had to go. You know, you can always look back and go, it could have been better, but you can always look back and go, well, it could have been a lot. So I enjoyed it. It was a good memory. Would I love to have another shot at it? Absolutely. Well, I mean, only because you've talked about it a couple of times here and talked about people that you'd like to wrestle again. Does it interest you? I know you're having a good time in NXT right now. You're, you're killing it. You've got a title match this week, but eventually does the allure of going back to the main roster interest you absolutely absolutely obviously um you know i grew up as a wrestling fan watching wwe and that's essentially where i want to be performing uh, i feel like in my last run there i wasn't doing myself justice I needed to change something and to change we got nxt and kind of figure out who i was again and I managed to do that to some level and uh, i'm definitely hopeful that you know a return to either raw or smackdown will happen in the future guys like bray wyatt braun Strowman, roman reigns aj styles all these guys are guys who i have a past with but i also hope i have a future with and and, and other ones brock lesnar that's you know for my career i feel like that's one of my favorite matches and it was a short match but the feeling in the ring that night, so pure and so, I don't know how to explain it. Like, it felt like, you know, you go through all these days of hard work and grind and pressure and traveling to get to a moment where you're stood in the ring and you're completely free and you're completely at ease with everything and nothing else matters except this moment. And that was one of those nights when I was in the ring with Brock and, uh, you know, if I could bottle that feeling that I had, and, you know, I could sit back for the rest of my life and be completely happy. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had that on my list of things I wanted to talk about too because that match was such a special match. I think that, you know, you looked like that, that was one of those times where you're like, man, Finn is the man. It, no matter what the outcome was, the whole time you just looked like a, such a like you belonged there opposite in the ring against Brock Lesnar and so I loved it do you know I, there's a there's like I saw online that he that there's talk there's like rumors that he requested that match against you do you know if that's true at all uh, I don't know I don't know uh, rumors too I know uh, 
we had had like a brief encounter in New Japan a long, long time ago when I was a young boy. He was a heavyweight champion. Uh, and then I'd had a good relationship and still do with Heyman. So I'm sure there was some between the two of them, but I can't give you like exclusive to say I requested it. I showed up one day and they said, eh, I think you're going to a program with Brock. And I said, awesome. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's crazy too. That that's another full circle moment for you. Then you know where you you were a young boy, seen Brock as as world heavyweight, cha- or, you know the champion there, and then you got to be on the opposite side of the ring with him in WWE. That's cool. Full circle for you right there. Yeah, and then it was a weird feeling that some of the big matches that I had in Japan, I had that same big match order feeling in that match at Royal Rumble with Brock. I don't know was it to do with the fact that it was in a baseball stadium and I was so used to wrestling in baseball stadiums in Japan that that was what felt familiar. But there was definitely a, a sense of, oh, I've been like in this environment before. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. But uh, something felt familiar and I was like, ah, oh, this is what I've been missing. I don't know was it the big match feeling, the baseball stadiums, the fact that I'm going to get my ass beat by Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, it, it was a cool moment. Uh, you mentioned Bray Wyatt. How do you feel about that last match that you had against The Fiend? And the one at SummerSlam? I thought it was great. Uh, I feel like it's what it needed to be. Uh, it was the debut of The Fiend, and it needed to be strong. And I feel like he's, that character is evolving. I think it's one of the coolest things in wrestling. I hope it has a lot more years to come. I hope we get to go back to the Prince versus the Fiend. I hope we get to go back to the Demon versus the Fiend. Uh, and I love it. Now, after that match, you took some time away from WWE just to, you know, uh, get get your mind uh, clear. Is it important for you to completely unplug sometimes? Oh, dude, I completely unplugged the whole time from the building. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was like the first like prolonged unplugging that I'd had by choice, you know. And eight weeks away, which isn't a long time at all. But um, but you know, I just needed a little time to kind of reset and refocus and and step away, and that's what I've done. And I really feel like it helped me appreciate the spot that I was in a lot better than I currently was up until that point when I was. Uh, you know, up until that match with Bray, basically what we we're talking about. So, um, yeah, the the unplugging was was great for that you know eight week period. But I've really learned, you know, you can get super caught up in the bubble of of wrestling and WWE and you know what people are saying and what people are talking about. But really, the only thing I can control is when I get in that ring and whoever it's against. I'm not in control of you know how many people are there. I'm not in control of you know. The only thing I'm in control of is what I'm doing in the ring. So that's really the only thing that I try and focus on anymore. And, you know, once I go home, I'm not, you know, watching Raw, watching SmackDown. I'm not, you know, watching any wrestling. I'm not going back watching my own matches, especially because it's just spoil any emotional memory that I have of them. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I really just, yeah, completely unplug. And when I'm at work, I'm completely invested. And when I'm at home, I'm, I try to, as best, be completely detached as I can be. Does that help you enjoy 
the wrestling more to a certain degree because you aren't consumed by it 24 7 i don't know i don't know if that's appropriate i enjoy wrestling if i'm consumed by it 24 7 and like i was in the past or the way i am now i once i'm in that ring everything else kind of disappears and uh, that's that's when i feel most at ease it's when i feel most free when i feel like i'm best able to express myself so yeah that makes sense yeah no i I don't know <laughs> no, that makes. I was more just wondering if, yeah, if like it helps it be, wrestling be your happy place, you know, like that's your that's your happy zone, and and and, and not letting the business kind of consume, you know, takes away from it at all is kind of what I was thinking. But I get what you're saying too. I want to talk about a non wrestling topic for a second. Um, yeah. You you seem to be very interested in space. Uh, is there any meaning behind the tattoo on your hand? Uh, yes, actually, there is. This is uh, a young boy. Uh, holding his space helmet, looking off into space. And it essentially symbolizes wanting to go out there and follow your dreams. That's great. That's great. <laughs> That's very simple. <laughs> no, it's very simple. That's great. Uh, I did, is, is outer space something that you've been fascinated by since you were a kid? Yeah, absolutely. I'm I, I more, I, I don't want to say as a kid, I became more aware, aware of it like in my late teens, early 20s. And uh, something that I was, you know, fascinated by science fiction, science fiction movies, just like looking at the stars, trying to count them, trying to have some sort of understanding of how many universes there are and how many, you know, planets and galaxies. And uh, it's something that I can't fully understand or curious about. Uh, you know, was super into NASA for a while, or into, you know, stargazing, and but just. Just something that I'm very, very What about when it comes to aliens? Do you think aliens exist? I do, so that's why I'm asking. I'm not going to think you're a weirdo if you do. I'm just wondering. No, I do, 100%. <laughs> they have yeah. to. I, I, don't, mean, I, don't know where they, I, I don't know where they live in among us. Are they, are they at Area 51? Are they in the White House? I don't know. But I definitely know that somewhere in the universe there's other life. There has to be. I, I, I too wonder that. I feel like... I don't know if I think they're among us, but they have to exist outside of this planet. It, it, like you said, when you look at space, it's such like a vast thing that you we can't be the only ones out there. Yeah, absolutely. There's life, whether it's you know on Mars, whether it's further afield, whether they're already here and they're our society. I don't know, but there's definitely other intelligent beings other than humans and the animals that currently live on Earth out there that we don't know of. Who first proposed the idea of you returning to NXT instead of Raw or SmackDown? Uh, yeah, the office came to me and they said, hey, you know, we know you need a little regroup and refocus and you know, we can use your help at NXT. Would you be open to the option of, you know, returning there for a little while and, you know, maybe it's three months, maybe six months, you know, refocus you know, kind of recalibrate your character and, you know, then you go back to Raw or go back to SmackDown. And that was kind of the conversation that was had by Bray Wyatt. And that was kind of the agreement we had when I took the eight weeks off. And when I came back, it was, you know, let's just see how this goes. Let's, you know, give it, you know, three months at least, see what NXT and then we'll go there. 
you know, three months turned to six months, turned to, you know, winning the title, turned to, you know, a year and a half now. So uh, I, w- I wouldn't change it for the world. It's been, a, it's been, you know, a great learning experience for me. I've been like so familiar with working like all the guys on Raw and SmackDown that like, I'm, I don't want to say I wasn't challenging myself, but like I knew all their nuances, their movements, their footworks, everything that they'd done in the ring wasn't like anything that I had to like react to or that was something that was going to surprise me. So, you know, I became very comfortable in that environment. And getting to return to NXT, there's a whole new crop of that I'd never before that we don't have. But I was kind of like just a couple of years ahead of those guys in the era. You know, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Timothy Thatcher, all these guys that like I never, I'm like, I want to work with. And, uh, you know, that opportunity in NXT was something that, uh, that I craved. Since you felt like you had gotten away from your true essence a little bit, was being a heel this time around something that you pushed for? Uh, honestly, I can't remember how it happened. Uh, it wasn't so much like, hey, you're going to be a heel. It's just, hey, you're going to just be more like you were before you came to WWE. It wasn't supposed to be so clear black and white as to heel babyface. It was just, hey, just be the prince. And if they like it, cool. If they don't like it, cool. Uh, but just like portray it how you want to portray it. Let's not like try and uh, like manage this too much. And uh, it kind of, we, we knew, we, you know, there would be a babyface pop return. And then, you know, we kind of tried to write that out as much as possible. And obviously, Johnny was super over everywhere he goes. And the fans are really like endeared to him. That was like the perfect person that if I was going to try to turn, that, you know, we had to do it with Johnny. And uh, that's what we've done. And, you know, I feel it worked great. I don't feel like it was a true heel run in the sense of like doing like nasty heel stuff but it was definitely a darker version of Finn Balor that people hadn't seen and you know it's it's hard for me to gauge whether it's a heel, especially in this time when there's live live fans uh, but like, it's like more of a tweener character than it, it is, than it is a heel yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, he definitely, you definitely can switch back and forth. So that, that, that I get that same vibe as well. When you came back though, what were the biggest differences you noticed between NXT when you left and NXT when you came back? So NXT when I left was very much like a, a team atmosphere of uh, like us against the world. And we are NXT and we all want to prove that we are the best promotion and we are the best group in NXT and I mean this with the greatest compliment to the current crop of NXT talent that these guys are so good that the competition wasn't with external opponents in the sense of Raw or Smackdown or any other promotions it was with themselves that they wanted to be better than each other and Adam Cole wanted to be better than Johnny and Johnny wanted to be better than Tommaso and it was competition amongst each other that for me wasn't there so much in my run but it was very much a, a problem how much NXT had grown in the time that I was away that now so many established guys that were you know so skilled that the competition was among themselves not you know with, with the outside world now 
that match you had with Kyle O'Reilly was was so brutal when you guys were the first one was so brutal. Uh, were you worried that you'd have to relinquish the title when you got injured at Takeover? Yeah. I wasn't worried. I relinquished the title. I was more worried about the fact that I had a broken jaw. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it it was a it was a funny situation because I feel if we hadn't known at the beginning how severe the injury was, I probably would have been told, hey, it's a good idea to relinquish the title. Uh, but the goalpost kept moving. I got admitted to hospital uh, that night of takeover, spent the night, was prepped for surgery. When the surgeon came, he said, ah, I think this is going to heal by itself. It's two clean breaks. So I think it's going to heal by itself. It should be okay. Let's not have uh, surgery. So I got sent home from hospital the next morning after takeover. So I'm sitting at home, kind of recovering for three, four days in complete agony with a face like a bit. And <laughs> I get a call from WWE Medical and they go, hey, we don't really like what that doctor said in Orlando. We're going to get a couple of second opinions and then we're going to get back to you in a day. I was like, okay, cool. So this was like on the, the Thursday night. So later on that night, I got a call, hey, we've got three opinions. They all said we need surgery. We're sending you for a scan first thing Friday morning. So I went for a scan at 8 a.m. Friday morning, and I had surgery like 5 p.m. Friday night. And it was kind of that week that we lost was like a big influence and factor because they thought, oh, well, maybe he'll be okay in six weeks, but then we've lost a week. But then the surgeon originally said, hey, you should be with the steel plates. You should be okay within six weeks. So then we thought, oh, this is just seven weeks. You'll miss one takeover, and then you should be back for the next one. That's what we were thinking. But after the surgery, you know, it took a little while longer to heal. The bones didn't properly fuse. Like, not that they didn't properly fuse, but you're open to re-breaking it if you get a full force smack in the face again. So it was you know, under a doctor's advice that, hey, we need to keep you out a little longer. And it went from being, you know, you know, at the six-week point where they were hoping I would be back in eight weeks, it was like pushed back another month. And by then, it was kind of too late to relinquish the title. And we kind of committed to, like, keeping me as champion. So it was, I think we'd have known how long the injury was going to take to heal. You know, right at the get-go, maybe I would have had to relinquish. But uh, it was an evolving timeline of recovery so that's how it happens so i'm running out of time here but i want to know where does a uh, carrying cross stack up at, from, from your opponents and all-time opponents list he seems like he's a pretty intense guy to be across the ring from he's an intense guy and uh i don't have I, I didn't have any experience with him before NXT, I didn't have any real experience with him until he had a shoulder injury when he was champion. And uh, I reached out to him and we spoke briefly and we kind of built a somewhat of a relationship based off a mutual experience. And uh, I really no idea what to expect when I stepped in the ring with him. Uh, I knew he was strong and he was talented. I knew he had a lot of potential. Uh, when I was in the ring with him, when we locked up, I knew this guy has it on every level. And, you know, it's hard to get a reading on someone from just watching. Uh, really, that moment when you lock up with someone for the first time is when you're either exposed, in my mind, or 
I say, oh, he has it. And in that moment when we locked up, I went, oh, he has it. He has, you know, the look, the presentation, you know, he can talk, and he can also wrestle, which was the one thing that I wasn't sure. Of. And he, you know, he proved that to me at TakeOver, that he can, he can do it. Uh, and I'm eagerly looking forward to, uh, to NXT, the, to the rematch. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it for a lot more reasons than I was the first one. Uh, the first one, I knew it was going to be like big match aura, obviously. Two entrances, the similar story, relinquished titles, came back, now fighting over the same uh, title. And it had like a built-in story. Now I'm just looking forward to it for the fact that I get to wrestle again because uh, I think he's got all the tools. He's going to be a huge star in the future. He's already a huge star, uh, but I feel like he's going to go right to the top. What's the most memorable coup de gras you ever delivered? Ooh, I don't know. I hit one on Samoa Joe where I back, and as he landed, I landed on his ankle, and I rolled my ankle, and I broke my ankle. Ooh. So, uh, so that was a memorable one for that, for that memory. But I don't know. I don't have, don't have many big memories of it. I feel like. Uh, Maybe the one on Roman, first night on, on Raw, but I don't really have a, a, a visual memory of any of them. Uh, well, then, since it's not a specific one, do you that have a favorite terrible, That was a terrible question to finish on. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We got, we got two more here. So, you, you, you want another question? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. That's a good answer. It's all good. Who's your favorite person to hit the move on? Who's your favorite person to hit the coup de gras on? I would, uh, so, you know, Matt Bloom, Giant uh, Bernard, Tensai, he always complains that when I hit him with it one time, I like skid off, skidded off him, and like I pinched his belly fat. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so if I get, if I can get to give him another belly fat pinch, I would love to do that. And lastly, I think I don't know the answer to this one. I was gonna, it's normally what's one time you did the coup de gras that you wish you could take back for whatever reason, but I feel like it's the broken ankle one. Uh, yeah, maybe. I done it off the top of a ladder one time, I think. I'm, I think that was a bit stupid. I probably wouldn't do that again. Well, we'll leave it on that then. Thank you so much for giving me the time today. I really appreciate it. It was great chatting with you, and I can't wait to watch your match this week. All right. Thanks, man. It was nice talking to you. Have a good one. Well, that was my interview with Finn Balor. I hope you all enjoyed it out there. There was a lot of cool stuff in, in our conversation, so I really enjoyed getting to chat with one of my favorite NXT superstars of all time. Okay, make sure that you subscribe to Add a Character on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on every single podcast platform. That's where you can find this show every week. And also make sure that you check out the YouTube channel as well. That's where you can find the video of this show. You can see me and Finn chatting this week and all the other people that I've had on this show. Also, make sure you follow WWE on Fox on all social media platforms. Okay, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this is Out of Character. Download the all-new Fox Sports app now.